This episode is brought to you by Daters Academy, the five-week online course with marriage-minded mentor Aliza Ben Shalom that will get you ready to find your soulmate. Get practical guidance on how to accurately express to others who you are and what you're looking for, a step-by-step process to reevaluating potential dates in your past, and a mindset shift that opens your eyes to your soulmate and more in Daters Academy. Claim your exclusive $50 discount to get the course for only $99 today at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash datersacademy and enter the code JLP50 at checkout. Jewish Latin Princess episode 118, Azriela Jankovic, life coach, author of Beyond All Things and podcast host. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women. And from Yael herself, seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. And in case you've forgotten, I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back to myself, I guess. I feel like there should be some sound effects because I'm back. Happy to be back on the podcast, ladies, and happy to be back on the other side of three extemporaneous speeches in Brooklyn, New York at the International Sea Teen Shabbaton. Boy, what a weekend. And when I say extemporaneous, I don't mean that I just winged it or that they were off the cuff, as they say. There's nothing off the cuff about speaking without notes for 35 to 45 minutes. That takes a lot of work, a lot of editing, a lot of mental work, a lot of practicing. So if you were wondering where I was, I was literally hiding in a cave in my house preparing for this. And let's add to that that the audience was teenagers. So you know what that means? It adds a layer of complexity. You have to be able to connect with teens, which is never an easy task. And in this day and age of short attention spans, etc. Well, you know what I mean, but I did it. I did it, ladies. I'm on the other side. I did it successfully. And I'm I, I'm so happy that I did it. I'm so glad I did it. Thank you to the team at C Teens International for recruiting me and trusting me. And thank you to the most awesome teens. You were amazing. And when I tell you they were great, I really, really mean it. I came back so inspired. Their questions. Oh, my my gosh, I got the best questions from some of these um, teenagers, their energy, their thirst for learning, everything was amazing. The whole experience was wonderful. And to Sarah, if you're listening, this is me saying hi, Sarah approached me before one of my talks and said, I've been listening to your show for a while, which I was so happy about. I never knew that we had a younger audience. And I love it. So Sarah, great to meet you. And to any other young ladies coming from Sea teens welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Now my guest today I love this guest. She's actually been a longtime listener of the show. And we met in Israel a while back when if some of you might remember that I was there for my son's bar mitzvah two years ago. I have Dr. Azriela Yankovic with us today. Azzy, as many call her, is an educator and life coach, most recently the author of Beyond All Things, Insights to Awaken Joy, Purpose, and Spiritual Connection. And she's also the host of Within Us, a podcast in which she interviews myriad of experts who believe in our power to persist in the face of challenges and spread light in this world when faced with darkness. Stay Stay tuned for my appearance in With It Within Us, which I am delighted um, 
to do and I'm looking forward to very much. So I'll keep you posted on that. Today, Azzy and I talk about a few of the insights of her book, the ones that she feels have resonated most with people. She reminds us of the importance of one of the most wonderful tools that God gave us in our arsenal, our breath. This is something that we know, and we've talked about it on the show before, but we forget to utilize it consciously, consistently. And by we, I'm just talking to myself, right? I forget to do it. So I appreciate it, the reminder, and I'm committing right now to include slow, conscious breathing into my daily routine, because I do know that it's super helpful. We also talk about her work as a coach and watch me resist all the coaching and masterminding masterminding in life. Well, okay, fine, not the coaching, but definitely the group masterminding thing. <laughs> I'm really funny, but maybe, maybe like she says, maybe I self-sabotage a bit. Anyway, let's see what Dr. Azzy says about this. And of course, I had to go um, onto the social media situation and rant a bit about how we can't really focus inwards if we're, or inward if we're so distracted with our social media, um, as purposeful as we'd love it to be. Okay, it's it's a big deal. So yeah, let this interview became quite the funny coaching session, or maybe a venting session. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not so bad. And my guest was beyond beyond gracious. So thank you, Dr. Azzy, because well, she's just lovely. She also shared with us the her experience with chronic pain, which I was very interested in, um, as I'm also exploring some alternative um, remedies for one of my children who's enduring some sort of, you know, situation, but health situation, but, um, it's all, it's all well and good. Thank God. Um, so here you go, ladies, let's hear, let's hear the lovely Dr. Azzy Yankovic. Azriela Jankovic, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? Thank you so much, Yael. It's great to be here, and I am doing well, thank God. All the way from the land of Israel, right? Yes, indeed. Where we met, um, I think, two years ago, a little over two years ago. Yes, that's right. We met in Jerusalem. That's right. And back then, I don't think you had published your book yet. I think you perhaps were working on your book. Congratulations on the new book, Beyond all things, insights to awaken joy. Purpose, is it? Purpose and spiritual connection. Is that right? That is exactly right. Amazing. And then there's also been a release of a podcast within us. Yes. So a lot has happened in two years. We've got a lot of catching up to do. That is so true. <laughs> has it been has it even been a year since the podcast? Not quite, right? So last Rosh Hashanah, after I was finished with the book, I realized that there were so many people I was interested to speak with. And I just got so inspired from publishing the book. Mm -hmm. And I put some feelers out in terms of who might be interested to come on a show. And that was it. The show was born. Wow. So, so, so let's start with the book, because I think that was the, the, the main, the, the first big creative endeavor that kind of like everything kind of gave birth, you know, I guess birthed everything after, right? Um, yeah. 
So with this book, I know that you share insights that you've discovered over your spiritual journey towards Jewish observance, but in ways that are universally relevant. It's it's a book that it's meant to be for any audience. Is that correct? A hundred percent. So so can you share some of those insights that or perhaps your favorites? Because I know there's a lot in there. Um, and or the ones that resonate most with you or that perhaps resonate you feel like resonate more with your audience and you've gotten you know the most feedback. Absolutely. So I'll go ahead and start with the very beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. And the first insight of the book is about breath. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, breath is an interesting, it's an interesting thing, because it's something that we do subconsciously, all that's unconsciously all the time, we're always breathing, and we don't necessarily focus on it. And we don't necessarily look to control our breath or tune in with our breath, unless we are already familiar with like breath work or yoga or self regulation tools. What's so interesting to me about breath is that in Hebrew, the word for breath is nishima, mm-hmm. very similar to the word for soul, which is nishama. Mm-hmm. And when we go all the way back to the story of creation in Bereshit, we see that the breath within us was actually breathed into us directly by Hashem. Mm-hmm. So this is the soul that is within us was breathed into us. And for me, in coming to learn more about breath, I've come to understand that breath is actually a gateway yell to our subconscious. What does that mean? Essentially, we walk through our daily lives and we can very easily lose track of our breath and we can also very easily tune out in, in terms of what's going on inside of us, mm-hmm. the sensations that we're experiencing any inner thoughts or subconscious thoughts or feelings, we can walk around in our day without really tuning in to those inner, say, intuition, sensations. However, when we tune into our breath, incredible, incredible things can happen. And as a Jewish woman and with a sense for this concept of a soul, the soul that has really been breathed into us, I feel that tuning into breath and tuning into our subconscious is a spiritual act with tremendous potential to enhance our lives. You know, when I hear you and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, story of my life. Like, how how do I ever even pay attention, right? Give me an example of when you say incredible things can happen. Give me an example of when you've had that realization that your breath brought you to this moment of clarity and intuition. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. So I'll give you an example from a meditation seminar that I was leading a few weeks ago here in Israel. Mm-hmm. And essentially what we did was that I sat with a group of women and I led them in some breathing exercises. And essentially they're exercises you can do on your own at any time in your day. And what you do is you you practice counting your in-breath and counting your out-breath. Mm-hmm. And there are several variations, but essentially you can just kind of start with like sensing the length of your breath as it is, and then you can slowly tune into the breath, slow it down. You can do five counts in and five counts out. You can even lengthen that to six or seven and as you continue to do these slow breathing exercises, the body naturally calms down. Right. And so our, our physiology changes and we relax. And what we do 
is that we signal to our brain that we are not in stress mode anymore. <laughs> and so, right, this is everything. So we essentially, this shuts down the, the limbic response, this right. stress fight, fight, flight, or freeze response. And we activate the prefrontal cortex, which is a much calmer, more attentive, intuitive part of ourselves. And it's so incredible to watch what can happen when people just take some time. You know, it can be a few minutes through the day or it can be in, in like a formal setting, like the seminar that that I was in a few weeks ago. So essentially we did some slow breathing and I guided the group in not only slowing down the breath, but really consciously focusing on the sensation of breath. Mm -hmm. And when we do that and we we're at peace with our thoughts, meaning there's a, an idea that when we're tuning in with breath and when we're entering a meditative state that, you know, we're going to experience thoughts. We're going to notice thoughts. There are tens of thousands of them that are coming up on a daily basis for most humans. And when we can notice them without, you know, getting upset or trying to run away from them, just kind of notice and return the attention to the breath we can tap into parts of ourselves that are normally not accessible because because we're thinking hmm. and because we're sensing sensing the world and so you know in closing our eyes and really just sensing this breath we can start to notice deeper thoughts and there's a really beautiful hasidic idea that says when we're meditating every thought that we notice comes to us for a reason right and what I did in this particular seminar was that I guided the women to visualize a moment that normally brings them stress in their daily life. Mm -hmm. So you can do this now, like you can, you know, as long as you're tuning in and you're slowing down your breath, you can imagine something in your daily life that's just kind of like a little pain point for you. Maybe it's packing lunches in the morning or bedtime or something at work and I guided the women through breathing mm -hmm. and imagining themselves in this exact situation, sensing it with your eyes and tuning into the sounds, sensing yourself wherever you're sitting or standing, being inside your body, embodying that experience and doing the only thing that you're doing is breathing and just being present. And what do you notice? So, it was a 15-minute exercise, which really isn't that much time, and the results that, that the, many of the women had were, like, incredible. Like, like what? Like what? Incredible. Like, one of the women was, was sharing with us that every morning she gets so stressed out about time and getting her kids out of the house and packing lunches and all the things that she has to do, and it just brings her so much distress that, like... She feels physically ill in the morning. Mm -hmm. And in this exercise, when she was envisioning herself there, she was like seeing her kids, what they normally do in the morning and kind of watching the routine unfold. And when she opened her eyes, she had tears rolling down her face. Mm. And she said, you know what I realized? I realized that my kids are so young. I don't have to rush them out of the house. Right. <laughs> and she said, you know, we, we just don't have to rush. And what they want to do is in the morning is fine. Like, they want an extra few minutes to color or they, you know, whatever they want to do. Like she just, she was looking for a solution and instead she just found peace. It's so interesting because it's such a simple realization, but 
when you're immersed in it, you don't see it for yourself. And I guess that's the point. You don't see clearly until you that's, that's, yeah, let go. Exactly, exactly. And I think so often, so many of us are trying to accomplish and achieve, and we're trying to do so much for such good reasons. Yeah, yeah. But it brings us into stress mode, and we can't think clearly, feel clearly, or even tap into our extra, our bina yatera, our, our right. intuition it's that almost is like, there. It's almost like we should stop and do this breathing exercise before we sit to work every day <laughs> or in the middle of work. Yeah. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it anytime. Like I know people who set their alarm three times a day to do some breathing, even for like a couple minutes so or do- in davening, you could, you know, if you pray, you could add like some breathing to the davening yeah that is a good time to do it since we're doing it anyway right and anyway or do yeah focus. do while you're driving like a lot of people you know driving's like an easy time to be stressed and so we're also just sitting there and that's you know that's a great time also what it, what about you when do you incorporate this practice of conscious breathing if you will <laughs> so is, when that, is, is that a good name for it did i make that up <laughs> Yeah, 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 definitely. Consciously breathing. I think that's exactly it. I, um, I do it all the time. I I notice myself like, you know, kind of just like getting, getting like, you know, I notice myself like feeling the sensations of discomfort or stress or, you know, um, it happens all the time. And, you know, sometimes my kids are like, what what are you doing? You know, are you doing that thing again, mommy? You know, um, but they've, they've also like adopted it too. They have started to do it. And so I do it all the time, like whether I'm at home or, uh, driving or before I go to sleep at night. I mean, that is like an amazing time to do. Yeah, That's a good one. I do that too. Well, I have to give credit to my children because it's my children who do it because they have an amazing teacher in school who does it with them. (laughs) Oh, that's such a gift. <laughs> so that's how that's how I get into breathing sometimes here and there when they remind. What a gift, right? Um, okay, so that's one insight. What's another one of the 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 top, the biggies, the big favorite ones? So one of the favorites has been about love, love? and love about love and how loving is giving. Right, and we know I that from we, we need that we know that from our culture, right? Yeah, we, we exactly. And I think that so oftentimes in mainstream culture, we're not always exposed to that idea. And I think that it's really easy to have like a romantic mm-hmm. version of love. Right. Hollywood. A hundred percent. And I think that we can we can look at love as an act of giving and also as an act of staying, you know, even when times are hard, like there's so much merit to being able to weather challenges and realize that this too is here to help me grow. Mm -hmm. And it can be, it's not easy. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to, uh, to simplify things, but in the book, I told a story about my grandparents of blessed memory and, they got married very young. My grandmother must have been 18. And they were married for, you know, over 50 years before they are both Niftar. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this one moment, I wrote about it in the book when I was sitting at their kitchen table, I was a little girl. 
And my grandfather came home from work, whistling, walking through the courtyard outside the house. And um, he came in and my grandmother helped him put eye drops in his eyes. Hmm. And it was just such a sweet moment that she was helping him with this like little, you know, just this, this little thing. And and I kind of looked at them and it's, it's something about it was so curious to me that they, they were really helping each other. They were really just there for each other when it came down to the littlest details of their lives. Right. They were so involved. And I remember asking my grandmother about it and she said to me, you know, real love is about making it through the challenges. You know, love isn't right. about everything always being easy. And that was something that has stuck with me. And I think it's such a valuable lesson. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a definitely one, a, a good one. What's, what's, what's number three? Let's do the top three. <laughs> top three. Wow. You know, I think that's thoughts. I, I spoke about... Oh, like my, mind control? Uh, about, well, so what? the idea of... Um, I don't know exactly what you mean by mind control, um, well, like, like controlling our, okay. So essentially controlling our experiences mm -hmm. when we come to recognize that thoughts are not being consciously created, right? right? We're not consciously creating all of our thoughts. Thoughts have been studied. I'm fascinated by research and some of this new research that's coming out is saying the average human has like 70,000 thoughts a day. Right. And when we come to recognize that we're not creating our thoughts, we don't, any, we no longer have to identify with them. We can simply acknowledge, oh, there's a thought, and we can shift our attention to mm -hmm. whatever we consciously choose. Meaning mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we don't need to and, let it define us or anything. You know, become a, a a real tangible part. It just can be there. Bye. A hundred, a hundred percent, and and absolutely, and. You know, the more we try to run from it, you could think of it as like a sh our shadow. So let's suppose someone has uh, a difficult thought or a painful thought or a, a thought that brings them distress of any type, like say it's a regret from the past or a concern about the future or um, some situation that they can't control that they keep thinking about. You could think of it like a shadow. And essentially, in trying to run away from our shadow, we, we're, not, we're not getting rid of it, right? It's mm -hmm. coming with us. It's moving faster. The faster we move, the faster it moves. Right. And it appears, you know, more fierce. If we can sit down in the shade and just recognize, oh, everyone has a shadow. Like, everyone has thoughts. Thoughts are there. I'm not creating them. And I can shift my attention so I can anchor myself in the present moment with hmm. my breath. I can anchor myself with any self-regulation tool, like sensing the ground beneath my feet. I can look in my surroundings and start naming objects. I can have a sensory experience of listening to the, uh, the sound of a bell or beautiful music. And I can really bring myself back to this moment and choose where I want my mind to go. And as simple as it sounds, it's it's a life-altering tool that is available to us in any moment. So interesting that you chose the word shadow because it right away brought me to how I view it, meaning that, it, and that is that where I go is, well, God is my shadow, right? And so I don't need to 
be scared of it. I don't need to be running from this situation because God is with me, number one. He's my shadow. And number two, because however I'm facing this, there's a mirror above spiritually that is happening. So if I'm facing this with joy and optimism, that's what's going to be also manifested down here. Do you know what I mean? So it's interesting that you use that... um, that description because I could totally relate to that and I often I often see it in that perspective but it's helpful to hear it from the way you're saying it too I love that God is my shadow because that's what it says that's what King David said so there you go you have something else Mm. to put on part two of your book (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) there you go there's your quote (laughs) y'all oh yeah I owe you a quote I can't remember what it's supposed to be about but we'll get we'll get back to that (laughs) by the way I should mention for listeners that you're you're giving people these universal concepts that are rooted in Jewish wisdom. They're rooted in Judaism, but you're in no way hiding the fact that they are, meaning from the first few sentences of your book, you're being unapologetically Jewish. And and that's I'm I'm saying this as a compliment and as a Thank praise. You. And um was that ever a consider like was that a conscious thing was it did you ever feel like maybe you should you know kind of um brush it off a little bit more hide it a little bit or what's been the reaction give us the insight right so essentially what happened with this book is that i grew up in a reformed jewish home mm-hmm. and i grew up with really strong jewish values although it wasn't until years later that i learned about mitzvot and like a more traditional Torah-based lifestyle. Right. And as I, I learned over the years, I started discovering that there were so many texts that were were life-changing and so beautiful and yet written in a way that could only be decoded or understood by someone who was within the Orthodox Jewish culture. Mm-hmm so many content-specific vocabulary words that you can really only know and understand if you're around them for long enough and if you learn for long enough. Right. And I have friends and family members of all different backgrounds, and I've wanted for so long to share the beauty that I've found, and I've done so. You know, I, I, I share articles I've, and, and books and you name it. But I saw a specific need to give over some of these ideas in a way that could be understood without someone having to like learn Hebrew mm-hmm. or know Yiddish or um, have any any prior knowledge right. of right. Torah. Right, Asri, I don't. Azzy, I don't think I know how you began the journey towards Jewish observance. So that's an interesting point. But I also want to ask something about whether you were you always this mindful meditation oriented person, you know, spiritually in tune before um, Jewish observance came into the picture, meaning were you also into this type of, you know, living with a more, I guess, what's the word? I guess mindfulness. I don't know. Try, yeah. Like trying to be conscious. You know, it's so funny. You bring this up. It's something I've been thinking about when I was a teenager, I was really into like alternative type spirituality. Really? And so much so that I worked in a psychic bookstore when I was 16 <laughs> years old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can see that. The, I used to read the books and 
in my spare time, you know, I would, I used to work in my temple Hebrew school and I'd go in the library and, and, and read books. And I was like really looking for the spiritual stuff. Yeah. And I remember finding like some very interesting ideas. And at the same time, I would go to my rabbi and I'd say, so the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath is coming and what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and he said, you know, you can go to the beach and you can watch the waves and you can just do whatever you want. Oy. Oy, that's and so, 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 so I used to go to the beach and like write in my journal or I'd go sit in these meditation oh. gardens. And I, I, I was definitely trying to tune into something, but I was doing it very much on my own. Mm-hmm. And after becoming more into like Orthodox circles mm-hmm. and toward the end of college, I took some Jewish studies courses in college. I went to uh, Crown Heights on a Chabad trip and learned through the Isha Torah community in Los Angeles and, and really met some incredibly inspiring people and a community that I wanted to join. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I became like a beginner again, spiritually and, and in so many ways. And I was stepping into like a different type of spiritual experience. Correct. And as funny as it sounds, Yael, I forgot about everything before that. Mm-hmm. Like for me- until recently, I, f- I f- just forgot. That, like that there was just another part of myself I, I believe and I, you know and, and I think as a woman I think what I'm realizing now before I went to go publish my book I was so nervous honestly because I felt like I was putting myself out into the world as like a, a spiritual authority mm-hmm. and I honestly wondered like if I could do that if I wasn't a rabbi like what if I you know I have such reverence for the Torah and I had so many concerns, like, what if I'm not presenting something accurately? Or what if, just in terms of not trusting myself, because yeah. I don't have smicha, and yeah. and that was really hard for me. And I did it anyway, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I did it anyway, and I think I, I did have uh, a big Talmud Hacham read my book, Rabbi Breidowitz, of, or, or Sameach, and he was so compassionate and so helpful to me, and, and I was so happy that he, he was there to help me, because we have such a tremendous history with thousands of years of history, and there's so many details. So it's great to have these learned rabbis as resources. At the same time, I really believe that the geula will come from the women. Yeah, and sure. we learn it in the texts. We learn it, and I think that we as women need to use our platform to share and express the unique spirituality and the unique insights that we have. Right. I think I'm so happy that you brought out that point because yes, we we have to be careful and we have to have respect and humility to say, you know, I'm, I don't know it all. Um, I'm not pretending to yet have the self confidence to say, but God has put me in this place. Therefore, I have to share what I've learned, you know, part of my mission is and is tied to this. So I have to have both things have the humility to look for the approbations and look for the guidance and whatever, and, and, and still go and do it, you know, whatever it is that 100%. God wants me to do, because definitely God wants you to do, you know, whatever that project is, right? A hundred percent. And I feel like since I started putting one foot in front of the other, I keep seeing these signs, like, right. keep going, just right. keep going. And you know, the Rebbe has this beautiful teaching, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, shared that if you have learned the letter Aleph, mm-hmm. somebody needs to learn it and oh, you sure. can be the one to teach it. And mm-hmm. that's just, we have so much to teach one another right. and to learn from one never another. Think really you're not, never think you're not enough.
Are you ready to find your soulmate? Are you a doer who can work independently with the right practical guidance? Daters Academy might be for you. Get practical guidance on how to accurately express to others who you are and what you're looking for. A step-by-step process to reevaluating potential dates in your past and a mindset shift that opens your eyes to your soulmate and in fact much more in Daters Academy by marriage-minded mentor Aliza Ben-Shalom. Claim your exclusive $50 discount to get the course for only $99 today at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash Academy and enter the code JLP50 at checkout. I want to ask about life coaching. Was coaching something that you were doing before this book, Ozzy? Yes, 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 yes. So I have been doing different types of coaching for many years now. And it started for me, I was teaching school in Los Angeles. Right. Starting in 2002. And for whatever reason, I would always have the students who were struggling in class, like be it for attention issues, emotional issues, they would come to me. Uh Is this high school? I taught mainly elementary. I taught some junior high as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, those were the students who gravitated to me. And so I did a lot of like informal coaching. And then I transitioned to a role as an education specialist where I got to do teaching and coaching combined for my students. And that was the beginning. So interesting. And now that you now you do life coaching, it's also for men and women? Yeah, so I do a few different things. And the way that my work has evolved is that Uh, For whatever reason, you know, over the last few years, I've had people come to me with different situations, looking for advice, looking for encouragement. And I I really have drawn upon the science of human behavior and the science of education and so many things that I've learned in order to help them and realized, wow, you know, I can really... (laughs) I can really use these tools to help people. Mm -hmm. And so I started coaching both one-on-one and I also facilitate group masterminds, which is another really powerful format for coaching and creating community, which is something else that I love. Right. To the people in these group masterminds, there have to be there has to be a common thread between them, right? They're looking for one particular type of, you know, I guess advice or practice or training? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the groups that I have right now is a group of women here in Israel, and they're all solopreneurs. So they all run their own businesses. Mm-hmm. And the it was the 12-week program that I created was a 12-week program in which each person would set a goal for the end of the 12 weeks. And then each week that passes, we work on a different skill, a different tool, and we learn something new in order to move forward toward that goal. Oh my gosh, I fail miserably at these things. Let me just tell you, I get an F at all <gasps> of these master mean? plans. Because the minute they start going with this, like set a goal and we're going to talk a week later and everybody goes in the rah, 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 how they accomplish it. And I'm like feeling totally deflated because I didn't accomplish it. I did 30 other things that had nothing to do with the goal that I wrote down last week. Okay. I am <laughs> That's the story so, of my life, so, people. There, right I'm, there. <laughs> so I'm so happy you're bringing this up because... <laughs> It's, this is real. This is real. And, and so many issues come up in the groups, like so many relatable issues. You know, some people are afraid of failure. It's true. 
but the majority of people are actually afraid of success. Hmm. So, 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 so what is it? If I didn't accomplish my goal that I told the mastermind, is that because I'm afraid of succeeding? Well, so mm-hmm. essentially, like, you might not consciously know why mm-hmm. you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, most people don't. It's like a self-sabotage. And it's exactly. And it's self-sabotage really is our way of taking care of ourselves the best that we know how while we're like in stress mode. <laughs> so, But I'm always in stress mode. <laughs> no, I'm okay, not. <laughs> yeah, I'll come to my group. That's it. You're in. People, uh, we have started. A, this podcast has become a therapy session. St- yeah, hang in, hang in here, people. We're going to learn. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so what we would do in the mastermind group is that I, you know, each session starts off with some breathing exercises. So we'll allow you to come into this moment and really calm down and really tune in with what you're sensing and noticing. And you could envision yourself actually doing the thing that you see for yourself as this goal, like really waking up in the morning on the day after this goal has been achieved and you're looking around your room and you're walking through your home and you're, you're going about your day minute by minute. And noticing what's around you mm-hmm. and also what you're sensing within you. But let me ask you something now that we're going this route. Does the person have to have a very specific goal? Because very often we're just dealing with whatever's in front of us, meaning... I just came back from speaking at a big speaking engagement. I had to speak three times over Shabbat. It was, you know, a lot of you might have seen on social media. It was no notes. It was in front of teenagers, a very big crowd, no mic. It required a lot of preparation, a tremendous amount of preparation. You don't speak for 45 minutes off the cuff without preparing. It doesn't exist if you're going to do a good job. Um, And not to mention the the stamina and the energy, the physical energy that it requires. So, you know, if you if I had done this exercise, if I joined this Uh mastermind 30 days ago or 45 days ago, I would have failed miserably because I have to focus on this. This is the only important thing on my plate. Everything else is tangential, like everything else can be dropped. So so a few things can happen, you know, imagining this day, like waking up in this day where the goal has been achieved, you're tuning into how you feel, right? And essentially, we're looking to create a certain feeling in our life from an outcome. Mm-hmm. And it could be that, you know, you start on day one, and on week six of 12, you get this amazing opportunity to go exactly. speak. So Story of you're my life. creating, you're already creating the outcome, like, because I like this keep going (laughs) so I mean this happens all the time like one of the (laughs) participants in my mastermind she had set out to write her fourth book after 12 weeks and instead of getting the 40,000 words written she was invited to go on like an international speaking tour and of course like she you know she went to go speak and so we had to do some work on really being open like we can envision the the day we want to see for ourselves, what we want to see around us, how we want to feel inside. Mm-hmm. But there are many avenues that can get us well, to that outcome. God is infinite. So there are infinite avenues. A hundred percent. Make plans and God laughs, right? Yeah, he's definitely guiding us where we need to be. So we just have to breathe, people. Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so most of the women who come to you for coaching, what is the... Um, 
What would you say is the, the thing that they're mostly struggling with, particularly women? Things that you see wow. over and over again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think there, there really are a few. And I think one of them is really a fear of putting putting themselves out there. Yeah. And it's a fear of putting them, not only putting themselves out there, but putting themselves out there as an authority figure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because we live in a day and age of conflicting information. There is so much information out there and so many different ways to get from point A to Z that, you know, the holistic health practitioner is going to come up against conventional health practitioners. And there are just conflicts that people are afraid of. And, and you know, sometimes there's like an inner conflict um, that can manifest itself as, as that experience, but that's, that's a big one. So putting themselves out there, um, sharing their truth, sharing their ideas and opinions and being an authority, you know, mm -hmm. I think another issue about being an authority Al, is in terms of being a woman, there is, there are generational differences. You know, some of our moms were professionals and we're professionals right. and others of our mothers were homemakers and we may have tremendous respect and admiration for our mothers, and yet be in very different roles. And there's, there is, you know, a little bit of tension around that. I think sometimes women are afraid of being too successful because if I'm too successful, what's going to happen to my home and family? And, mm -hmm. and you know, what if, I mean, <laughs> the list goes on, you know, the list really goes on. Right. It's, uh, there yeah. are a lot, there are a lot of uniquely female issues that come up. Yeah, we're complicated creatures. <laughs> um, absolutely, and we're and wearing so many different hats too. You know, which brings me to something that is also generational in a little bit. We were talking about the fact that there's conflicting information, and the fact that, and it brought the thought that that and one of the thoughts that came into my mind is also we have nowadays so many ways of recreating our career if you want to define it like that or what we do or our profession or giving over our value you know to the world or whatever and in ways that you know didn't exist 15 it certainly did not exist for our mothers and certainly not even exist when I went to college you know or certainly not high school right um so 100%. meaning meaning the ladies that are younger than I you know are even are have even a bigger benefit I mean we all have it but I'm saying it's just changed so much for the better and it's an amazing thing but what I'm trying to get at is I guess a question to you as a coach and as a person who um who is an expert on you know meditation for practical people and I know that also even on your podcast you talk a lot about how you know find looking within ourselves and not being distracted by what's around us one of the things that I see, I guess, for myself, or I struggle with constantly, and it's my question to you, is the fact that social media can be such a powerful tool. And I know you yourself has, have used it very successfully. Um, but at the same time, it can be such a distraction. Um, and it could be, I don't know if this is just me, but I feel like very often I have to step away from it because otherwise I cannot focus within. I cannot tap into my own creativity. I cannot, even though I need to be there promoting and, you know, and offering my service and my voice and everything else, at the same time, it could lead to 
comparing myself or it could lead to just plain distraction and not really doing what I need to be doing to offer my best self and my best worth I guess or my best not that's not the word my best value to the world so can you can you talk guide me through this a little bit because I know you do this and I'm part of your your private group for example let me give you a concrete example okay let's say I'm part of your group right and sometimes I comment sometimes I don't but let's say I was thinking earlier this morning if I would participate consistently and I would, you know, you have beautiful prompts over there that, you know, make us think about whether it be gratitude or this or that, right? If I would do this consistently or, you know, then that would be taking me away from where I need to be. That's point number one. And number two, I find, which is even the most dangerous thing, I would, I'm all, I almost feel like, oh, I'm connecting with people, but the truth is I'm not. The truth is a very, very slippery slope because we feel like we're connecting with people, but in reality, I would be healthier if I did my work and then picked up the phone and called my friend, I'm picking you up, we're going to lunch, or I picked up my child early from work, or I went to visit my husband at the office. You know what I'm saying? Right. I 100% So let's, do. let's and go there, please. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? I think you nailed it. And I think that if we can use social media as a way of connecting to people in real life, I have to tell you, I've met some of my closest friends, you're going to laugh, in Facebook groups. Right. Really. No, I believe it. in, In people I see in real life. And I think that if we can use it as a portal, it's positive. I also think that it's, it, it can mean different things to different people in different times of our lives. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a personal relationship, you know, like anything else in our lives. I think that it can be used for, to do amazing acts of kindness, to teach and learn, or it can be shallow as, you know, as you're saying, like, I think there are so many conversations that are better had in person. And as I become busier with all of the different things that I'm doing, I find that oftentimes when somebody asks me a question on social media, it's a much longer answer that I would prefer to have in a one-on-one conversation. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So how do we balance it realistically? How do you balance it? Because you're constantly there. You're constantly posting on your group, for example, and it served you well. But how do you not let it do, right. you know, take you away from where you need to be? Whether- so uh, honestly, I, I, I haven't say that I can't say that I've mastered it. I've done a few things at different points in time mm-hmm. that have been helpful. Like at one point in time, I took social media off of my phone. And that was really helpful. Right. Um, I think another, another a tool can be time blocking, like really just blocking our time and saying, uh, okay, like these days of the weeks from, you know, these times I'm going to sit at the computer and post the questions on my group and pre-schedule them, or I'm going to sit down and then know, step away. And, Meaning and then you, just, yeah, then, then then you then block another time just to answer, but like, you don't, then, you don't stay tuned. And then turn it off. Exactly. I, I interviewed someone on digital wellness a few weeks ago on the show. Her name is Kim Cavallo. Mm-hmm. And actually, she was sharing that this Friday and Saturday is in the United States called the National Day of Unplugging. Oh, and it's that. based on the idea of Shabbat, hmm. which I thought was so beautiful. And some of the things she was sharing with me, I thought were really inspiring, like leave your phone at home when you go for a walk, if mm-hmm. you can you know, if you're not expecting calls or, you know, for me, oftentimes with having four children, I feel the need to answer my phone in case they're calling. Um, at the same time, listen, our moms in the eighties did just fine when they had answering machines at home (laughs) and they would leave the house. So 
I think that there is definitely, in terms of our consciousness, something to be said for just being aware. You know, we can just be aware of how does it, how do we feel? What are we experiencing when we hear the notification and go off on our phone? Right. And what is that? Is that preventing us from doing something? Is that stopping us? Uh, we use I turned. I turned off all those different oh. things. Oh, you broke up, Azzy. Can you say that again? We use our phones for so many different things these days. And right. I think one one tool could be turning off notifications that we don't necessarily Life need. Lifesaver. Lifesaver. It's just what I started to do and it's just saved me. It's, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, beca- because I'm not... I, I Now I feel like I control my phone. The phone doesn't control me. So whenever I need to check my WhatsApp, I check it. Um, but I, I, or, or anything else, my social media, whatever. So it's, it's on my time. It's not what everybody else needs, you know, needs from me right now. <laughs> you know? I think that is, that is really an incredible way of approaching it. Yeah. It's been tremendously um, helpful. Let's switch gears a little bit as um, Azzy. Um, if you were to define Judaism in one word, what would you, what would that be? Connection. Oh, I love it. Very nice. How do you describe a joyful, richer Jewish life? A joyful, richer Jewish life is being present with whatever is going on around us and within us. Mm. By the way, is your husband um, also like this? Like, is he pre- like in terms of mindfulness and really um, like, like how does he, how do you guys complement each other in this regard? Is he also a very spiritual person? Yeah, he really is. He he's he really is. He always has been since I met him. Oh, and interesting. He loves Torah. He loves this. He tells the stories, amazing, inspiring stories, Hasidic stories. You know, every Shabbat, and he loves to learn. And he's just like a naturally calm, good-natured person. Uh-huh. So he wasn't. He hasn't really been like drawn to mindfulness the same way that I have, I think because I'm not naturally calm. It's You're not? That, oh, so you mean no, there's no, hope no, for no. me? <laughs> oh, yeah. I am so not. <laughs> Wait, you had me fooled. You had me totally yeah. fooled. Let's go here. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so not. I, I am like, honestly, like I'm one of the most, I really have intense ex- emotional experiences. And like just today, I, I I ran into a neighbor of mine who donated her kidney to her brother last oh, week. Wow. God bless her. Goodness. And I saw her and I just got tears in my eyes. Like I couldn't, there was nothing calm about that. Like I really have these like deep emotional experiences. And so for me, focusing on awareness and just noticing and also accepting that this is part of my humanity has been really helpful because... I didn't always feel like, you know, just in terms of like having these like deeper emotional experiences than it appeared people around me were having, you know, so often mm-hmm. I kind of wondered and uh, I could get really excited about things and really involved and really ambitious or really low and really sad and really unmotivated. And I think that learning to accept all of those experiences has actually brought me a lot of equilibrium. I like that accepting, right? Not fighting it. It's just... 100% accepting and also realizing like there's nothing wrong with me if I have anxiety. 
This is a anxiety. Fear is an intelligent emotion. It's here to, to bring us a message of some sort. And if we can listen and we can accept, we can learn a lot and uh, benefit even. Before we move on to the Jewish, to the JLP fill in the blanks, I want to ask you about your experience with chronic pain, because I remember when I met you in Israel, you were just getting over that hurdle. You had just Mm -hmm. discovered a new approach to treat a condition that had kept you off your feet, I think, for a very long time. And I know this also aligns with your type of work. So can you tell us more about this? A hundred percent. So when I was 18 months old, I was involved in an accident. And the accident in which I, I I got my foot stuck in a bicycle and, and essentially the, the injury couldn't be repaired. It couldn't be fixed. And I grew up with like bone fragments in my heel and because of the bone fragments, I experienced pain on and off, like throughout my whole life. And at the same time, like it didn't appear that there was anything wrong with me or, and I didn't want anything to be wrong with me. So I tried, you know, playing all different kinds of sports and so on and so forth. But from a young age, I was like trying to figure out what I could do not to experience pain. And so I tried all sorts of different things like, um, you know, even focusing on my breathing when I was like trying to run, I joined cross country in high school because I, I was like really going for this mind over matter thing. And, um, (laughs) okay. Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad you relate. It wasn't always so doable. Like the, the essentially when everything came to a halt was three years ago when my fourth, fourth child was born and I had a really challenging pregnancy and had all sorts of like medical complications, was in and out of the hospital. And through all of that stress and, un, you know, being unwell, my foot pain really started to flare up. And after he was born, I mean, there were like weeks even where I could barely go up and down the stairs and have to hold onto the rails. And I definitely wasn't walking around the neighborhood. And, you know, when you're in pain, you have to think twice when your kids ask you to, you know, make them dinner, even standing in the kitchen, like making Shabbat was too much for me sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I went to several doctors here in Israel and I was told by two surgeons that I needed foot surgery point blank. It was the only thing that could help me was a foot fusion, like actually fusing my bones together. And when I researched the procedure, it was major yell. It was like, six weeks uh, off my foot and then uh, another six weeks I couldn't drive. It was forget like, forget it, a, no mother forget it. it. <laughs> it. With a brand new baby, there was no way. And so I was like, I was desperate. I didn't want to live like that. And so I started doing research and I found a doctor. I found here in Israel, Dr. Schiller, who, who I went to about a year and a half ago. And he, it's so funny. I went to his office expecting him to give me medication or like, I don't know, some holistic foot cream or something. And a, a different type it, of surgery, a lighter kind of surgery. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And it was much more of this inside out approach. And he said to me that, you know, essentially he explained the mechanism of pain and that pain and inflammation are related mm-hmm. and that we can do several things in terms of lifestyle and mindset 
and nutrition that can drastically alter our experience of pain. And I just jumped right on that boat. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't blame you. Wow. So you changed your diet. You did. A, and- oh, oh, yeah. It was like a total 180. And you geared up Total on your meditation lady. practice, like here we go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a big one. I mean, first it was all the food, and that took me that took a lot of energy for me, just like making real changes. And in the beginning, I didn't love it, but I was hopeful. Mm-hmm. And now I love I love the whole lifestyle. I love what it's done for me. At what at what point did it take you? What a year to start seeing the results physically manifesting. Or what did in take? the beginning, I saw it right away. It was really? like within, I think like a month, I posted something on Facebook. I went for a jog after I think like a month even. Wow. And it was like, it was, it was, it was dramatic. Wow. So everybody find other um, ways of, you know, don't rely, don't rely always on Western medicine. Keep looking until... Yeah, I, I think there's a place. I think there's absolutely a place for Western medicine. For I mean, sure. I had allergies a few weeks ago and like, thank God for that allergy pill. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think that we all have to find what works for us. And uh, and there's so much available to us in, in this day and age. So thank God. So Asya, I want to ask you because, so there's life coaching, there's the workshops, there's the book is out and you have your Facebook group, your private Facebook group, and you have your wonderful podcast. And I know your audio meditations are now, now on, in, on the instant, uh, no, on the insight timer. That's what it's called, right? Insight timer. Yeah, app. exactly. Yeah. So, so what's, what's next? Not that there needs to be anything, but is there, yeah. you know, what, I have a feeling there probably is. <laughs> yeah. So I, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot and I'm always looking for ways to simplify. So Perhaps that'll be next. <laughs> I'll, I'll join you on that train. Yeah. Let's work on that one together, my friend. Simplify. You know, I, I want to, I have this like vision of, of creating community, like real community, real people meeting in real life. And, and so that's something that's been simmering for me. Mm-hmm. And I also have something new that's coming out. And perhaps by the time this episode airs, it'll already be available for order, for pre-order. I created something called a Growing Kindness Within Us journal. Ooh, what's that about? Yeah, so the Growing Kindness journal is is really special. And what it is, it's similar to a gratitude journal. So in a gratitude journal, someone might every day, at the end of the day, reflect upon three experiences that they have gratitude for that they're right. thankful for right. and write them down. This is actually an experience where at the end of the day you sit and you write down three acts of kindness mm-hmm. that you did that day. And, and it, it could be towards yourself too, which is a big it one. Could, absolutely. So, so I have a pretty actually like a 10 page introduction that I wrote about why acts of kindness and what is the goal of this journal? What can it do for you? And, And it can do so much because Mm -hmm. kindness to, as we know in the Jewish tradition, kindness to ourselves and to other people really is the core of our tradition, right? right? Love our neighbor as love our fellow as ourself. And where have we been taught to love ourselves? I I mean, I I don't, that was just, was never a part of, (laughs) that was never a part of the school curriculum for Uh me. But mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more in, you know, new research, how important it is 
to take care of ourselves and to love ourselves and that in doing so we actually empower ourselves to give more and to love more in this world so this is a journal that's coming out i'm super excited about it it's something that i started doing in in a difficult time in my life actually mm. and it brought me so much strength and so much happiness so, so where I'm can really we find it? Share it. Where, where, where do the, we go to find this it? This journal is going to be available Hashem, soon, uh, perhaps as this airs on Amazon. And I'm oh. also going to have links on my website, which is drazi.co. That's uh, D-R-A-Z-I.co. Beautiful. So drazi.co. Um, and the podcast is all over iTunes and everywhere else, correct? And it's yeah, called Within it's, Us. It's called Within Us and it's everywhere. It's also linked on my on my website. So Beautiful. everything is Beautiful. in one place. Beautiful. But before I yeah. let you go, I gotta go do these JLP fill in the blanks because they're too much fun. So let's let's go for it. You ready? Yay. Okay. <laughs> I'm Azrielia Azriela Jankovic and I feel most spiritual when I'm breathing. Hmm. How did I know that was gonna be the answer, my friend? <laughs> My favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is? The mikvah. Yeah, it's a good one. Eh? It's a tough one, though. But Yeah, I, I, I don't think I always would have said that. Mm-hmm. But there's something for me about remembering the waters of Eden, this eternal experience that we're connecting to, the, yeah. the eternality of life. It's so beautiful to me. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Lighting candles on Friday night and saying the hamotzi and, and doing kiddush with my family as a child. Nice. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? I'm going to take a second for this one. Something I wish, ah, that we are within God. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to? I like to give to the people who knock on my door. Nice. Finally, I'm Azi Yankovic, and I feel most spiritual when? I feel most spiritual when I can oh, notice. Oh, that's, that's not my question. I messed it up. That's not your Sorry. question. No, my okay. qu- that was my first question, and you already told me okay. when you breathe. My question, my final question, I don't know why I said that. What My final question is, um, today I'm most grateful for? I am most grateful for life. I really am. Beautiful. I don't I don't know what else to say. I mean, I could be specific, you know, if I'm going to be specific, Al, right now I feel so grateful for nature in Israel. Oh, everything yeah. is blooming and green and there is just so much beauty. Also, you live and in a beautiful kibbutz, right? Or it like is. A, a, a it's re- this area is really really green right now. It's gorgeous. I might, I might need to go visit you. <laughs> you are cordially invited. <laughs> Dr. Azzy, thank you so much for joining me. This has been so insightful. And I, I appreciate the, the reminder to focus on my breathing and do it more consistently and everything else, all the insights. Everybody go mm. check it out at drazzy.co. There you can find out about coaching. You can find out about the new Growing Kindness Journal and the podcast, of course, on iTunes and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks to Azrela Yankovic for stopping by. You can find her at drazzy.com. 
www.kimberlyco.co, where you can find all about her coaching sessions, mastermind, and her journal, her upcoming journal, Growing Kindness, um, which I'm delighted for, and I think I'm going to give it a try. And you can find her book, Beyond All Things, Insights to Awaken Joy, Purpose, and Spiritual Connection on Amazon. Thanks for being here, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take 30 seconds, maybe even less, to leave a rating on iTunes. As you know, reviews are quite important for the show, for the success of the show. So just scroll down the show's page on iTunes until you see reviews. And that's it. That's all you got to do. As I said before, I'm beyond thrilled to be back. Tons of great interviews coming up and quite the hot, challenging ass Yael on the works. And of course, I want to use this opportunity to wish you all a happy and joyful Purim. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.